How do you survive social media? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're discussing social media today with Sherry Media, Director of Communications with External Affairs at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. Sherry, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. To get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work, particularly with social media? Sure. Well, I am the, as you mentioned, Director of Communications for External Affairs, but I'm also a practitioner of social media and an educator of social media, both um, you know, with our current uh, MBA students here at the Wharton School and also um, with professionals. So lots and lots of rich dialogue coming out on the topic and uh, you know, a great perspective uh, I've been able to achieve in the context of my traditional discipline, which is my PhD is in communication. So for uh, anyone who is on the academic and practitioner side, you know, every day is a party. It's just some thrilling things are happening out there. Well, interesting you use the term party because I understand that you attended a social media ban party at Harrisburg University last week. I'd love to get your impressions of that. Yes, I did indeed. And, you know, I think uh, when we heard that there was going to be a ban on technology, knowing how people uh, have grown accustomed to tweeting and so forth during presentations, uh, we weren't quite sure how it was going to uh, be received. But in fact, it was a fabulous experiment, and I think it's one that we'll see replicated in other universities because, you know, it's one thing to, uh, you know, consider what if. But it's another thing entirely to actually carry through with it and feel the effects. And while we know, you know, some students were trying to hack the system or they were trying to, you know, they used their smartphones, it really was a fabulous opportunity for all of us to stop and reflect on, you know, how, why are we doing all of this? Why are we utilizing our resources this way? What's the yield? It's a, it's an important question for us to ask at the college level, particularly because the question is, is really, do we want to produce the next generation who's going to be you know, beholden in some way to updating their status and tweeting things out? Is that really what we want? So it was a tremendous opportunity to stop and ask those questions. Sherry, what would you say were the aha moments for you as you observed this band? Well, you know, there are several things happening, one of which is we need to be cautious about gratuitous use of social media. While it's a tremendous tool, uh, it's also something that we can um, use for the wrong purposes. So what was wonderful about the panel discussion that I was on was, uh, you know, after, um, you know, in, in the midst of this the Twitter um, manifestation in these types of events, people were focused. The audience had nothing to do but focus on what was being presented to them as opposed to being content creators out in the audience. And I think, uh, you know, in one sense, it's refreshing. Sherry, you've published a book, The Social Media Survival Guide. What is it that we need to survive in today's society? Yeah, we need to survive um, transition more than anything else. Um, you know, for those of us who are old enough to remember, we we've done this before. We've done this with the World Wide Web. You know, we can recall the days before people had websites, before people had email, and there was a great deal of apprehension, um, you know, surrounding that. And we made it through just fine. What we're seeing, you know, both for individuals and for corporations, is a great deal of angst. Companies are approaching social media in one of three ways: they're embracing it. 
they're ignoring it or they're immobilized by it. That is, they know they need to do something, but they're not quite sure where to start. For business organizations, what do you find to be some of the rewards and the risks of social media? And I think you probably have touched on some of them with the discussion we've had about the social media ban. Yeah, you know, the risks are not knowing the space in which you're operating. And so we see companies who are um, who are overly eager to be out in that space. And partly this is because being in the social media space equals relevancy for an individual and for a brand. And if you're not there, you're simply not as relevant. And it's a great opportunity for brands who have been in existence for a while or brands who need a makeover to reinvent themselves using social media. But the risk is if you step into that space before, you know, without a plan, without a content strategy, before you've actually listened and figured out who's there, where's your target groups, this is where we see companies running into to trouble. And the other important risk that needs to be considered is that this is not a one and done, and it's not a set it and forget it. It's a conversation, and it's ongoing, and once you turn on the switch, you need to continue to feed those networks uh, and communities with content because it's all about an ongoing 24-7 time-shifted conversation. It's a very different model from what we're used to. The rewards are that we are able to be iterative. We're able to listen firsthand to consumers telling us what they think about us. And for many companies, that's a frightening proposition. Um, but the good news is we don't have to set up expensive uh, focus groups as we used to, not to say that they're not still important, but we have another venue by which we can garner uh, research on what um, what people think about us. Are they talking about us at all? Uh, what are our competitors doing? Uh, we have very easy access now to figure these things out and then create a strategy and a plan around that. In your book, Sherry, what are some of the specific recommendations you make for organizations to survive social media? Well, first thing, they need to uh, begin with an objective. So it's traditional marketing, public relations, communications. What is your objective? What is it you're trying to achieve? Is it brand awareness? Is it education? Is it, uh, you know, uh, is it increase in product sales, that's then going to determine the strategy you use. So we hear this question all the time, what's your favorite network? What's the best network? Oh, well, what's your objective? Because each can do different things, and you want to ensure that you're not using just one necessarily. You're, you're using the networks uh, that are working best to meet your objective. So you start with the objective, and then you create a plan. So um, you want to ensure that you're not just coming out with you know, a one-time campaign, but that you've really thought through what's the plan for engagement, what's the plan for creating touch points. Once I get them to the Flickr site, then what, right? Because we see a lot of companies who are able to garner public attention and then they're not sure what they want to do with it. So plan plan before you step into that space. And then the next point is policy. Companies tell us all the time, I'm not quite ready for a policy on social media. I'm just going to dip a toe in the water and test it out. And what we find is that it's too late to create a policy down the road. Companies need to uh, step forth. 
uh, with their employees being informed about what are the rules of engagement. So, for example, can I, as an employee, blog about my company's topic on my own? Can I tweet during business hours? Um, what's the tone and style that, that are being used when we have employees communicating out via social media? These are important guidelines to set forth up front so that everyone has that same expectation and understanding of how to operate and navigate successfully in that space. You've had an opportunity to see a number of organizations. How do you see social media most impacting the way we conduct business going forward? Well, you know, it's uh, it depends on where it started in an organization. So there's not one set model yet that says social media lives here. Sometimes it sprouts up in customer service. Other times it's marketing, sometimes it's public relations. So depending on where it's most needed or the person, you know, it depends on who's raised a hand within an organization to say, I'll spearhead this initiative. It manifests, manifests itself in different ways. Um, but it impacts us largely uh, via time and content. We're all frantic that we're over, uh, overtaxed with work and we're under-resourced and we don't see that changing. And when you present the proposition of social media to companies, uh, they immediately think, how in the world will we get this done? So it's about managing to resources and it's about understanding that if you set up a customer service uh, Twitter account, you need to be prepared to be exceedingly a active in that space. So, because the last thing you want to do is to create this channel and then walk away or wait too long to respond because, you know, it's a, it can be a fabulous tool for showcasing how customer service savvy you are, but it like, you know, in like uh, measure, it can be the thing that really brings down a corporation because it's quantifiable, it's measurable, and the Web 2.0 space is sticky, and it's very difficult to pull things down once we've put them out there. Now, you touched on this in your discussion about a social media policy. But for organizations that are just now hopping on the bandwagon, and many of them are, what mm -hmm. advice would you give them to get started? Well, for one thing, they shouldn't feel apologetic. I hear too often, you know, people are sort of tucking this away as their dirty little secret that they haven't yet engaged. And I tell them, you know, you're, you're probably just being smart because if there isn't an immediate need and people don't see the value and companies don't yet see the value, good that they waited. Um, the other good news is that there's always another train at the station when it comes to social media. And, you know, when we think about the history of the world of things social media, it's only about six years old, so it's not very long at all, but during that time, we have seen rapid and dramatic iterations of technologies, of platforms, of uses, and we'll continue to see that, so we haven't yet landed, but the key to stepping in is first listen, and we see this, it sounds like something simple, companies just want to run in, and that's problematic. You want to first get a sense of, do I need to create my own community? Does my target group already exist in another community? And can I engage with that community? So it's first getting a sense of where are the people that you're trying to reach and how will you best reach them, via which channels, via LinkedIn, via Twitter, via something else. And then you'll want to create uh, a content strategy, too. So you'll want to know up front what kinds of content are best going to engage my users. 
Is it video tutorials? Is it a podcast how-to? Is it blog posts? You know, what kind of content is it? And that will help you to determine what sort of resources do I need? Because when companies fail to do this, uh, and they think that the you know user-generated content is going to sustain them, they often uh, feel overwhelmed, uh, quit the experiment, as it were, and determine that social media has not worked for them. So uh, the other important element for companies just stepping into this to keep in mind is that it's not overnight. So while it may take us just moments to create a Twitter account or a Facebook fan page, uh, it takes the same amount of time as any other traditional channel to generate support and to uh, generate engagement. And that's an important uh, consideration, too, is to set the expectation up front so that people don't walk away after a month's time saying this was a failed, this was a failed exercise. Interesting, you point out that social media really is only six years old, but if you're a, a freshman at Harrisburg, that's a third of your life. That's right. That's right. You know, and interestingly, too, uh, you know, just in terms of um, quantifiable elements, um, people often say uh, they, they, they flock to our traditional mass-mediated models, which is it's all about quantity. So we'll get, you know, I need a million followers. I want 10,000 fans. And the question we ask then is why? What are you going to do with those 10,000? The interesting thing about social media is that it's not necessarily about quantity. It's about quality because not all fans and followers are created equally. You want a handful, and sometimes for companies, it's that core of highly engaged brand ambassadors who really do the most for a company and its brand and its image and its reputation. So um, so if we're driving, companies should be aware that you sh the goal is not to simply drive toward quantity. It's also to assess the quality. And keeping in mind, too, that what we're doing in this online space is all about an offline effect. And companies often overlook that. We go get so wrapped up in you know, feeding the Twitter stream or feeding you know, the posts or getting our photos on Flickr that we forget this is about an offline effect. What do we want those people to do? And that's the important element that's going to be the make or break between failure and success. Well, that's well said, Sharon. I appreciate your insight today. Thank you very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. We've been discussing social media. We've been talking with Sherry Media, Director of Communications with External Affairs at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.